right, welcome back to Scissors and Scrubs mm -hmm. in September. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful September night. Beautiful. And we have been having, as you have known in the past, some major technical issues. A lot of them. Major. So right now I am leaning in half, <laughs> speaking into a microphone because it looks like we blew all of our equipment, but God forbid... We make you listen to another repeat. No. So you're going to so, have really, really, really bad sound quality now. I do not want one fucking email that this doesn't sound right because we know it. We're aware. And we're going to buy new equipment yeah. this week. Yes. All right. Apparently we're going to get um, all new shit because I think we've blown everything. It's awesome. So uh, we'll get microphones this time that literally are attached to my vocal cords so you can hear it better. Yeah. All right. So this week... Over the summer, we started doing this new thing, um, dinner on the beach. On Sunday nights. On Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. And one of our friends was there, and her son has recently pledged a frat. So he just kind of was giving us a little lowdown of what they were doing. Horrible. Disgusting things. Disgusting. Disgusting. A lot of vomit. Lots of vomit. So, well, I was like, Laura, that's an episode. Yeah. We've never covered hazing. We should start cover hazing. There is so much to cover in hazing that we couldn't possibly cover it in one episode. No. And I thought like, oh, I'll tell this story and I'll tell that story. The one story I do cover was enough and disturbing enough for me that that's the only story I'm covering. Mm -hmm. So um, are you start, what are you starting with? Yeah, I'm giving you information about fraternities and hazing. And Greek life and how Greek life works. Kind of. And, like the and then there's a guy that did this whole like... I don't know what you call it, like a almost like an encyclopedia on hazing incidents going back Ooh. to the 1800s. So I did like some old ones, okay. just little snippets. All right. So I'm going to let you take it over and okay. start this off. All right. So I got all my information um, from time.com and this um, Hank Newer database. Oh, Hank. Hank. All right, so fraternities in the U.S. date back to the early 1800s. Um, they were formed by the young men of schools that were um, trying to, like, rebel against the really disciplined rules and schedules. You know, they wanted... Isn't they, that what a fraternity does? Yeah, they, so they, like, <laughs> rebelled against things at the schools. Um, fraternities were modeled after literary clubs, and they hosted debates and had members write essays. So it wasn't like a drinking thing. <laughs> not any fraternity I know. Well, it's was well, 1800s. Right. But they did this stuff to like try to change the rules in the school. Like right. they thought if they banded together and they would try to do this. Um, but they also provided a social atmosphere for people to drink and smoke. Um, <laughs> fraternities soon became a staple of college campuses. In the 1900s, when more women yep. started attending colleges, fraternities started controlling the social life of a campus. Ooh. So when women got there, they were like, yeah, we got to throw parties. Yeah. They, yeah. they can go. Yeah. yeah. Um, fraternity memberships declined around the Vietnam War, you know, because people gone. were drafted. <laughs> um, and it spiked in the 1980s when the drinking age was raised from 18 to 21. What? That was like the 70s-ish. But... Yeah, but why would it spike? Because they're all drinking at the Because class. now they're all younger, so they can't get alcohol. Because at right. 18 before, they could get alcohol. Then so when it went to 21, they needed a frat to get the alcohol. Um because it made it the drinking the increased drinking age made it harder for kids underage kids on campus to obtain alcohol so the frats would get the alcohol you could go there um the first fraternity in north america to incorporate most of the elements of modern fraternities was phi beta kappa founded at the college of william and mary in 1775 wow yeah 
The first National Greek Secret Letter Social Fraternity is considered to be the Kappa Alpha Society established at Union College in Schenectady, New York, on <laughs> November 26, 1825, by John Hart Hunter. John Hart Hunter. Mm-hmm. In 1867, a society called I.C. Cirrhosis. Cirrhosis? Like a it's S-O-R-O-S-I-S, so like a sorority, but sor- it looks like cirrhosis. I don't know. I'm saying cirrhosis. All right was the nation's first women's fraternity at Monmouth. How do you say that? Monmouth? Monmouth? M-O-N-M-O-U-T-H. Monmouth? Monmouth. Monmouth? Monmouth. I don't know. Monmouth. College in Illinois. Uh, it would later be called Phi Beta Phi. No, Pi Beta Phi. These letters... Not to be confused with Phi Beta Phi. Right. I, the Greek... Or Theta Beta Phi. I can't. Or Pi Pi Pi. Right. Delta Delta Delta. <laughs> Some people are drawn to fraternities for, like, the lifelong friendships, like, business connections, blah 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 It is a brotherhood. I mean, you. I think if you're going for jobs and you're in the same frat, If you're in you the same frat as a guy hiring you, you're going to get the job. Guaranteed the job. Um, but a lot more joined for the parties and the campus social yep. life. Um, a 2007 study at URI, University of Rhode Island, found that frat members are more likely to drink heavily and have problems with alcohol use than non-fraternity peers. A 2008 national study by um, researchers at University of Maine showed that 73% of fraternity or sorority members experienced hazing. Um, they, they, the supposed like purpose of hazing is to make them prove their loyalty. Like, are you loyal to this group? Um, and so if I eat your vomit, I'm loyal? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. If you Lord. do these stupid things... Supposedly I should start eating your vomit. Okay. That's never going to happen. Um, you know, if you do these stupid things, we can trust you. You're one of us. You really want to be a part of us. That's why they're doing this. Not For no other reason. Um, according to police reports and court documents, frat members have been forced to chug hard alcohol, endure sleep deprivation, and complete physical challenges while blindfolded. And those cause most of the problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, hazing is now um, banned at every school. Like, literally, you know, that's it. You can't do it. Um, it's banned everywhere. Like, yeah. the military doesn't do yes, a lot of yeah. this stuff anymore. And yeah, This also, right, hazing also happens outside of fraternities, right. but we're talking about frats. Um, but an unintended consequence of banning it is that the members that know hazing is occurring or people that know hazing are, is occurring are less likely to report it because they're afraid of, of the consequence. Yep. Um, so like I said, this Hank Newer has compiled a database on U.S. hazing deaths. Part one of the database (laughs) covers 1838 to 1999. Wow. There is a part two. That's comprehensive. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go through like, I don't know. I have like a couple, like 10 or something (laughs) like of like dating back to the 1800s, some in the 1900s, um, of the deaths. I'd love to know what like hazing was in the 1800s it's like, all the same don't wear your cravat no it's oh. it's literally all the same as it is now it's like funny um john b groves died in 1838 from a hazing accident at franklin seminary in kentucky in 1938 that is the first known death of a fraternity um it doesn't say what it is in 1847 jonathan d torrance died of illness after being drenched with ice water during a hazing custom called freshman visitation at Amherst College. So they soaked him in freezing cold water. Amherst, Mass? Yeah. 
Oh, he was outside. The zoo. the zoo. No, that's UMass. This is Amherst oh, College. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, they soaked him, freezing cold water, left him outside. He got like sick pneumonia what and the died. What would you do? Because they're idiots. Um, in 1873 at Cornell University, Mortimer and Leggett. <laughs> I would have tased him because his name is Mortimer. Know, died by falling into a gorge while on a blindfolded walk at night required by frat members. I can't tell you how so many of these people be. have died. How many frat members I saw that died going over gorges or cliffs because they're out walking at night, drunk, blindfolded. Imagine that one first step. Yeah, no, I can't. And you don't no. have There's anything nothing under on that the other foot. side. Um, in 1900 at MIT, Hugh C. Moore died of a snapped neck in a Ooh. traditional fight between first and second year frat members. They would make them fight and he they broke his neck. <gasps> That's quite a fight. Yep. Uh, in 1905, Stuart Pearson was struck by a train and killed after frat brothers left him on a bridge while attending Kenyon College in Ohio. There was also several of these. They left him on train tracks. Like tied they, to it? They don't know where they are and they're drunk and it's dark and like they're staggering around and the train hits them. Oh my God. Uh, in 1923 at Northwestern, Louis Aubert was killed by a passing car while on the running board of a car as he looked for fellow freshmen abducted by sophomores. So a lot of the frats do these like abductions, like they kidnap them and then you have to find them and bring them back to the frat. There were also a gazillion of these incidents where these kids were in cars or they dropped them off in the middle of the street and they had to walk back, but they're drunk and it's late at night and they get killed by other cars. It's well the running board. You're talking. He's like, standing on the back of the yeah, car. like yeah. the Al Capone right. days where you're sitting on the side and yeah. like the Keystone Cops, you right. know. But the, there was a ton of other ones, like even up to like the '90s, where they would drop them off in the middle of nowhere. They couldn't. It was like literally in the middle of nowhere. They're trying to walk back, and a car would hit them because it's dark. How do you not know this is going to end badly? I that's what I shocks don't know. me. How do you not know that's going to be what, a problem? Like, these kids also have that mentality of like, Nothing's that's not going to happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1928. Um, Nolte McElroy died by electric shock when he was made to crawl through mattresses charged with electric current at the University of Texas. The dean said, quote, it was simply a terrible accident that could not have been foreseen. Oh, come on. You're you're charging mattresses with electricity. You're making them crawl through a current. Right. I mean, we can foresee that we could be electrocuted. Dumbasses. Oh, my God. And these are college people. Yeah. These are college people. Mm -hmm. In 1940, at the University of Missouri, Hubert L. Spoke Jr. died by smothering, but died by smothering, following a drinking session mandated by a fraternity chapter unrecognized by the university. He is likely to be the first of many pledges to die from alcohol intoxication during initiation. So he's the first one who died because of alcohol. Um, and I smothering. I don't know if he like vomited or, Ugh. you know, was unconscious Based with his face and something. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1945, at St. Louis University in Missouri, Robert G. Perry was coated with flammable substances. Oh, my God. And had an electric shock applied Come to his on. skin. Come on. He burned, he burned to into death. flames. He burned to he death. He burst into yeah. flames. Uh, they basically made an electric chair out of him. Yeah. It did go to court. The jury returned a verdict of accidental death and recommended frats to not use flammable substances. You coated him with flammable substances and set him. And electrocuted him. Imagine how painful no, that was. No, that's awful. Um, in 1959, Kappa Sigma Pledge at USC died um, 
he choked to death while trying to swallow a slab of liver at the, requ- at the request, quote unquote, of frat members. Do you remember this? When I was a kid, there was a movie, and I'm going to get into it, and I saw it for whatever reason. We weren't allowed to watch anything. Why I could see this, why, I don't know. It must have been on like TV or I was at my grandmother's or something. But I will never, I remember this to this day, and I was a little kid when I saw it. And it's about the frat member, and he chokes to death. And they're standing in a line. And it was like a, I could never figure out what it was. Because I probably didn't know what liver looked like. It was a slab of liver. So his last words were, quote, I'm going to swallow this liver if it's the last thing I do. Well, it did. Yep. This death inspired the movie Fraternity Row. And that is the movie. I was like, oh my God. I like have that in my head my whole life. Never heard of it. I don't, I don't know how I, because I love that morbid shit. But Why I, I ever saw it is beyond me, but I will never forget it. That's probably why I wasn't allowed to watch that stuff. <laughs> um, at, oh my God, here's that college again. At Monmouth. How do you say that? If, does anybody know how you say Mammoth. that? I'm going to go with Mammoth. Mammoth. Mammoth College in New Jersey in 1974. William E. Flowers, age 19, suffocated after being entombed in a grave. Members had him dig on a beach that day. I, I'm getting agitated. I know. The people this fucking stupid. Yep. Yep. In 1994, Michael Davis was beaten to death by frat members at Southeast Missouri State. How did they not know that was... Like, it was like a hazing point? thing, a beat, you know, beating. Beat you to death? And they beat oh, him to death. Okay. In 1996. Oh, God, help me. Todd Cruikshank, age 18. Cruikshank's like the cat in Harry Potter? I don't know. Okay. Um, fell off the roof at a frat house while drinking. He died. The frat, um, I think it's Acacia, A-C-A-C-I-A, at University of New Hampshire, was mm. on probation for hazing violations at the time of this kid's Ooh. death. Um, I said, like, there were so many incidents of pledges being dropped off, or far from campus, blindfolded, exhausted, because they keep them up for, like, days, drunk, and then being hit by cars. It was, like, a constant theme. Constant. I can't tell you how many. Um, also many incidents of pledges running away from a prank. Like... You know, they're chasing them or they think they need to run or, you know, they're trying to get away from them doing something and they go off a cliff, go off a gorge, go into a lake. It was, it was nonstop. You know, it's bad enough if you were to lose a child in an accident or something, but to lose it on something purposeful like this is horrifying. It's It's fucking horrifying. So those are the little, from the 1800 stories of this stupid shit that these kids do. So I think it's a safe bet that you should go over this with your children. Even though they don't believe us that this stuff happens. Well, we're going to talk about a current story that happened in 2017. Yeah. In Penn State. Yeah. So Penn State, this article I got, it's called Death at Penn State Fraternity. Um, It's out of the Atlantic and it was written by Caitlin Flanagan. It's a great article. It gets into how the Joe, is it Joe Panatoni? Who's the guy that was the coach down there? Oh, yeah. All right. The coach of Penn State years, yeah. and he was real, like, gung-ho and this and that, and that even though hazing, like, he would criticize him for not hazing correctly. He'd be like, oh, geez, well, when I was in, it was I worse. was hazed. It was yeah. worse this way. You haze this way. So you got to realize, like, that is the mentality at Penn State to begin with. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even though hazing's supposed to be illegal and all that, these kids are still doing it. But they're not reporting any kind and any kind of problems because they're afraid they're going to get reported for drinking and hazing and get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as of today, Penn State has fifty-one fraternities. Jesus. Yep. 
That's just the fraternities. This isn't yeah, sorority. Just that's crazy. Two are currently inactive. Beta Theta Phi and Kappa Delta Rho. Are inactive. Are inactive. Today we're going to talk about, it's not Phi, excuse me, it's Pi. Oh good, I'm glad you did the same thing. Pi. Pi. We're going to talk about Beta Theta Pi. Beta Theta Pi has been on the campus of Penn State for almost as long as Penn State itself. Wow. The frat house, you gotta see this fucking frat house. It's like a brick mansion. Fucking beautiful. Like I'm sure the inside is disgusting. Yeah, it's nothing like Animal House on the outside, I can tell you that. Um, it's fall it fell into disrepair and in two thousand four Donald Abbey, a Penn State alumnus, um what did I write? Oh, he was an alumnus from nineteen seventy. I have two nineteen (laughs) seventy. Like what number is that? He was an alumnus from 1970, and today he is a billionaire. So he, he's he got a million dollars. He goes to the frat house. He's like, what the fuck happened at this frat house? This is not the frat house. I remember he called it repulsive, and he spent $8.5 million on renovations of this frat house. For teenagers to live in and drink in. Well, because he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember mm-hmm. what teenage boys do mm-hmm. to a house. Mm-hmm. It would be the most expensive renovation of a frat house in American history. Way to go. Um, before I continue, I want to let you know, most of this, what I'm telling you, is directly quoted from this article. Um, Caitlin, I'm giving you due props that my podcast is based on your article almost 100%. So I'm not going to keep saying quote, 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 because that's just going to get ridiculous. So just know it's mainly from her article. Okay. So the bathrooms had heated floors. What? The kitchens have copper ceilings. What? Tables were carved from mahogany from Columbia. Oh my God. And fingerprint scanners to open the doors. Wow. So, in about 2017, the renovations are done, and immediately, the fucking house is trashed. Of course. So, he gets pissed, and he puts cameras through the whole house. Oh, that's why there was cameras. cameras Because I was like, why would you ever have put a camera in a frat house? Okay. He puts cameras through Mm -hmm. the whole house to see who's destroying the house. Now, every frat member knows these cameras are there. They are well known. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fucking stop them from doing anything, okay? Uh... It ha- fraternity life has had its problems. In 2009, Joseph Dato, a freshman at Penn State, got so drunk at a frat party, he fell off a 15-foot stairway to his death. Uh. 1997, five college freshmen show up to health services with serious injuries that were caused, quote, someone, something that someone else was doing to them. Nothing is done to the frat and that they're pledging because they're refusing to Just testify against, mm-hmm. this ple- uh, against this frat and say anything bad. 2015, Kappa Delta Rho member James Vivenzio reported that the frat had a secret Facebook page where members were posting naked pics of female students along with videos of their sexual assaults to these women. Lovely. He, excuse me, he also describes, I, all right, this is tough for me because I'm bent over in fucking half. Can't use my hands. Um... Very. This is hazing right now. I'm being hazed by you. Are being hazed. I'm being hazed. This is all a ploy. Yes, he just wanted me to be tortured. Mm-hmm. All right. So he also describes the hazing that he endured. Endured. He was being forced buckets, being forced fed buckets of liquor mixed with urine, vomit, hot sauce, and quote other fluids. Oh, you know they splooged. Yeah, in. no, you I know. Fucking what that know is. they splooged. Oh my in god. It. Drinking until you vomited. Being burned with cigarettes. Well, you wouldn't have to burn. You wouldn't have to drink no, long if that's no, what you're drinking. No, no, no. I, I could never. No, I do any. No. I would never. How's that? I would treat myself better than this. Vivenzio went to the council and nothing was done. He had to go to the police and is suing Penn State. 
After the police was involved, the frat was suspended for three years. 2013, Marquis Brahim, a freshman at Penn State, was pledging Phi Sigma Kappa. He claims he was forced to chug bottles of Listerine, Uh swallow live fish. He was burned with candle wax. He was locked in a room with other pledges with alcohol in a bucket to catch the vomit. Uh, Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Laura? Mm -hmm. And being forced to kill and skin animals. He reached out to an RA who told him it'll get worse and laughed. Ha, it's going to get a lot worse. Then uh, he made it through the hazing, but then he was being forced to haze other students. Mm -hmm. It broke him. He went home for spring break. He had lunch with his mom, left the table and jumped from the top of the building (gasps) they were in. Killed himself. Couldn't take doing this to he somebody. He felt guilty. He felt terrible. Oh felt terrible. God. I'm sure they're being pressured to make sure they do it as right. well. So Penn State suspended Phi Sigma Kappa for six years. The suspensions all follow the same pattern. The fraternity enters a time of reflection and they appoint a blue ribbon panel to investigate what's fucking going on. And it shuts down the chapter for a period of time and the house goes empty. It will then recolonize with a new crew that they are briefed on the rules they're briefed on everything that's got to be done and they open the chapter again now because you have brand new people that for the first three or four years until they graduate Mm -hmm. no problems Mm -hmm. now the next class and they fucking forget the rules and the same thing happens all over again so we're going to talk about tim piazza okay poor tim piazza same age as my son tim piazza is a 19 year old college sophomore who is pledging beta theta pi he has survived the whole grueling hazing process. And these hazing processes are like months. months. They're not yeah. like one week. This it's like is, a semester. Right. Yeah. It's like 11 weeks. It's fucking ridiculous. So he's gone through the whole process. He is being accepted into the frat on February 2nd. And they have the acceptance party. The last night of all this shit. He is told to show up at 9.07. He is dressed up for the special night in his good jacket, shirt, tie. And his last last text to his girlfriend is, they're going to get me so fucked up. So he arrives, beta, theta, phi, pi, phi, pi, at 9.07. And there are other 14 pledges there. They're each lined up, right hand on right shoulder, mm-hmm. on the pledge in front of them. They are taken into the living room for about an hour. And after about an hour, the gauntlet begins. Mm-hmm. So there is also a thing they're calling the chef test that the president of this fraternity Greek life, like it's a business also. So mm-hmm. he's like corporate, for lack of a better word. He's like, oh, they don't do the chef. He's being interviewed by this woman. He's like, they don't do the chef test anymore. She's like, yeah, they do. He's like, no, they don't. She's like, did you read the court documents? Because it's right there in the tests. The kids are saying we're waiting for the chef test to begin. He's like, they're still doing the chef. He's like. She's like, you never read the court documents. So this is part of that chef test. So the gauntlet is 18 drinks, 82 minutes. Oh my God. That's not even an hour and a half. 18 18 drinks, drinks. 82 minutes. These kids have to suck them down. So at 1040, about an hour after the gauntlet has started, the pledges, they're being walked around while they're doing this. They come back into the room and you can see Tim is being escorted by a fellow pledge. Obviously, so this is all on tape. This the stuff I'm gonna go through is taken directly from this tape throughout the whole night. Mm-hmm. These tapes have been reviewed by forensic pathologists and lawyers, and as you can imagine, yes. many, 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 many people have done this. So a forensic pathologist reviewing the tape, excuse me, 
looks at Tim and says, at this point in time, he is in a stupor from the amount of alcohol he has consumed. He sits on the couch and he doesn't want to get up. A fellow brother stands him up and walks him around and then places him back on the couch. Mm -hmm. Tim stands up. He's like out of it. Mm -hmm. He's fucking gone. He stands up and he heads for the front door. You know, the front door that had the fingerprint scanners on it. Mm -hmm. Can't open it. (gasps) And he's really, really very drunk. And the article goes in to be like, and it's just, she's got a little flair for the drama. Like, this could have been the move that would have saved his Mm -hmm. life. She's probably right. Right. Had he gotten out of the front fucking door and either vomited or passed out in the lawn, they probably would have left him there. So he can't get out the front door. So he opens the next door, which is the basement door. Mm. And he opens it and he goes head first down the entire flight of stairs, Mm -hmm. which I believe is about, um, I'm not 15 feet, but it's like 15 or 16 Stairs. stairs. He goes head first. Luke Visor, one of the brothers, is seen pointing to the stairs like, fuck, he just went down the stairs. Another brother, Greg Rizzo, hears the fall and he goes to the stairs. He reports to police that Tim was head down. Like, so he is face down at the bottom of the stairs and his legs are still up the stairs. All right. So he sends a group text to the brothers that Tim Piazza might actually be a problem. He fell 15, he did say 15 feet down a flight of stairs head first. We're going to need help. Rizzo was also noted at that time as wanting to call an ambulance, but no, one is never called. Four of the brothers carried Tim back up the stairs. And at this point now, his shirt is like almost up over his head. And you can see on his left upper abdomen, yeah, he has a huge purple bruise. Ooh. Immediately has right. this huge purple bruise. They put him on the couch and they're starting to do sternal rubs on him. No response. They throw beer in his face. Well, no response. Helpful. They throw a shoe at him. No response. They lift his arms up. Boom. Falls back down. No response. So everything they're doing to rouse him is proving he's unconscious. He's fucking unconscious. Okay? So a brother, Ryan Foster, rolls Tim onto his side. He almost dumps him on the floor. Catches him. Rolls him on his side. You know, in case he vomits. Mm -hmm. Jonah Newman, another brother, straps books in a backpack to his back to keep him from rolling back so he won't vomit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two other brothers... Stop! Like at this point, Tim's legs are kind of like I don't know seizing. So the two brothers are sitting on the legs to keep that from happening. Oh my anymore. god! He they don't they don't like what's doing. Well, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. So yeah. now we're like two hours into the ordeal, and a Cordell Davis. He is the only black fraternity member. He enters the shot, and you Cordell has been in his own pledge class. He was he has scars on his face from when he did the same thing. Knocked well down a flight of stairs, but smashed. He's like, I woke up in the morning. And my phone was covered in blood. I was covered. He has no idea what happened. All right. So you see him. He walks over to the couch to see Tim. And you can tell the brothers are telling him what has happened. He's agitated and he's wildly on the tape. And he's basically like, what the fuck? You got to call the police. Like he he tells the police he was concerned for Tim. And he told the brothers he needed help, that they needed to call 911. Jonah Newman is seen shoving Cordell into the wall and telling Cordell to leave. Like, we got this. Shut up. So Cordell leaves and he goes to find the vice president of the chapter, who is Ed Gilmartin. He tells him, like, what is happening. Ed Gilmartin's like, they're EMTs. They take classes in kinesiology. They're majors in kinesiology. They know what they're doing. Don't worry about it. We got this. And it doesn't really get into what Tim does. I mean, uh, this Cordell does afterwards. But he was, like, the only person trying to get this kid mm-hmm. any kind of help when he could still get help. So you see 
like when Cordell leaves to go get the VP after he's been pushed into the wall, Tim is thrashing wildly on the couch and he's making Aww. weird movements. Another brother, Daniel Casway, comes in, looks at Tim, slaps him in the face three times. No response. The other brothers, two other brothers, are wrestling near Tim. Because, you know, this guy's dying on the couch, but we're going to wrestle. wrestle. They land on him. Oh and then God. when they land on him, now he starts to vomit and twitch. Oh, okay? my God. Joseph Eames becomes, quote, frustrated with Tim and with an open hand starts to slap him on the bruise in the abdomen. Oh, my God. Yeah. The forensic pathologist will later testify that Tim's spleen had been shattered. Oh, yeah. Shattered in the activity. And still, after vomiting, Tim's still not conscious. 45 minutes later, Tim rolls onto the floor. Backpack and all. Boom. Face first onto the floor. Still with the backpack and book strapped to him, he rolls around and he's trying to stand up. Somehow he gets the backpack off and he fall. He stands up, backwards, falls, oh, slams God. his head off the hardwood floor. All right? So he's from a full standing position. And Tim is not a tiny guy. He's playing football for Penn State. Fucking six feet tall. Whoof, like a sack of potatoes. Oh he goes God. backwards. So at this point, a brother shakes him, gets no response. Fuck it. Leaves. So that's probably about 11 o'clock at night. Now it is 346 in Tim AM and Tim is in the fetal position on the floor. Okay? So that's hours of him mm-hmm. just there. Mm-hmm. At 349, Tim wakes up, gets up on his knees. He's cradling his head in his hands. Mm-hmm. He falls again onto the hardwood floor. An hour later he stands up and staggers to the front door and again falls and this time he falls head first into the wrought iron railing. Oh Jesus. That is I don't know where this railing is, but into a wrought iron railing. He stands again and again, he falls head first onto the floor. At 5.08, oh almost two hours later, Tim is on his hands and knees, head buried in his hands. Must have fallen back again, because now it jumps to 7 a.m. Another pledge wanders into the room Tim is in. Tim is on the couch moaning. The pledge watches Tim roll off to the couch and onto the floor, get up on his hands and knees and cradle his head. And the pledge says, as if he had a really bad headache. So what does this kid do? He pulls out his phone. Oh, good. Takes Snapchats him. it. Yeah, that's nice. Sends it and takes it and leaves the house. Don't call an ambulance. No. no. Tim is then seen standing and staggering over to the basement steps and he disappears from view. All right. Sorry about that. I um, somehow lost the rest of my paper. Okay. So seven o'clock. The kid Snapchats. Sends it. Like I, that just. I know. That just makes me so angry. I can't even begin. Just to, to just even say, like, every time I see TV and it's a fucking fight or something bad happens, Immediately the phone. Some moron standing there with their phone instead of helping. Right. I, I just don't know what kind of world we live in anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now the house begins to stir. And it's probably about 10 o'clock. A brother named Kyle Pesci, he arrives and he asks Daniel Erickson, what happened to them? Like, what happened to the kid who fell down the stairs? And they're like... They come across Tim's shoes and they realize, oh, this kid's still in the house somewhere. So they look for him and they find him collapsed behind one of the bars in the basement. He's lying on his back and with his arms tight at his side and his hands and fists. Oh, no. So you know what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his face is bloody and his breathing is labored. His eyes are half open. His skin is cold and he is white. Absolutely white. Mm-hmm. Three men carry him upstairs and put him on the couch. Got on this couch. Does anybody call 911 yet? No. Nope. No, nope, they don't. No. Nope. The fraternity brothers, 
They appear with garbage bags and they start cleaning up the mess yeah. before they do anything. They propped him on the couch and they dress him. What? But his limbs are so stiff yeah. that they can't do it. Somebody wipes the blood off his face and somebody else is trying to pry his hands open. We'll go over why he's yes. doing what he's doing later. But they can't do it. So when they searched the phones afterwards, instead of calling 911, somebody is searching cold extremities and drunk person. Somebody else is Googling binge drinking, alcohol, bruising or discoloration, cold feet and cold hands. Nobody's calling fucking 911 yet. So at 1048, finally, 911 is called. They realize like there's literally nothing else to do and he is technically still alive. Mm -hmm. So he is taken from the house. His parents are notified he's going to the hospital. Um... And he is taken to the... I forgot what hospital he was taken to. They get maybe... The parents get, I think, a couple hours with him. And he is pronounced dead oh, at... like It's like one one thirty in the afternoon. I Sorry, again, I lost that piece of paper. He's pronounced dead. The college puts the um, flag at half-mast for a couple of days. The Facebook page is like, oh, poor Tim. Sorry, you know... Um, the Facebook page of Beta Theta Pi National Organization reports that Tim Piazza, a sophomore at Penn State who had recently accepted an invitation to join the fraternity, has passed due to injuries sustained from an accidental fall in the chapter house. That's their official wow. statement. Yeah. The fraternity administrative, administrative... I have not had one drink. The fraternity administrative offices in Oxford, Ohio... Fly half mat their flags fly half mast oh, to eight days. That's good. The representatives of the eight young men at Tim's same age, um, they're all Tim's same age. They all founded the fraternity. The Facebook post will encourage collegiate members around the country to conduct Beta's official burial services on that Friday evening from four to eight. And with those final rituals of the fraternity, his twenty-eight hour membership in Beta Theta Pi comes to an end. My God. Right. So, Laura, what do you think happens to these young men? I'm going to say nothing. You are correct. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, let's see. You're going to have to be a little patient here with me because my notes got all fucked up. All right. Where are the kids that get... There was a list of kids I had. 28 of the brothers are eventually dragged in to court. Good. Um for involuntary manslaughter, assault, like a, a variety, a variety of charges. Three of them were facing um, a couple of years in jail, all of them community service, all of them fines. The DA um, or the judge involved, I think it was the appellate judge. I have this all written down. The judge involved brings all of their charges down. Then they see the video. Oh. The DA reinstitute charges. More kids are dragged in. They again reduce the charges. Nobody sees jail time. Some of them did community service. A lot of them are fighting it because it's going, they're felony charges. Yeah. You know, but they kill a kid, neglect him. Nothing is done. The family did settle monetarily with uh, Penn State for money and for changes. And I believe they still have a civil suit going with the fraternity itself. Good. Because so, that guy had eight fucking million dollars to right. redo the house. When they did the autopsy on Tim, as I told you, his sh his spleen was shattered. Mm -hmm. You rupture your spleen. That's the bruising on the abdomen. 
for us, it's a true emergent case. True emergent. The spleen cannot be fixed. And you have a lot of blood that goes through the spleen. It filters all your blood. It filters yeah. all your blood, so you will hemorrhage. And he, I think, ultimately died from bleeding to death. Mm. He also had multiple skull fractures. Oh, yeah. And when you can't open your fists, that's the sign of a major brain injury. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll see if people are seizing or whatever, they, they, they clench what? and they pronate and they mm-hmm. do weird things with their body because their brain's fucking out of control. If they had called an ambulance when this poor kid went down the stairs the very first time, mm-hmm. they probably would have saved his life. Mm-hmm. He would have gone back. He'd probably graduated college and told about that crazy night that he had at yeah, the yeah, Beta Theta Pi. Yeah. Yeah. I was so drunk, they got me all fucked up. But instead, these kids, more concerned that the college was going to come down on them and shut the chapter down or they were going to get in trouble for drinking instead of doing what they should have done and mm-hmm. what their common sense told them they should have done mm-hmm. they were trying to cover their asses mm-hmm. and they let somebody die because yep. of it and i think if you look back at all of these incidents that's exactly why these kids are dying because oh, yeah. nobody and they're covering it up and they don't want it to know i can't imagine if those parents had to like if they didn't go to trial all these people pled out imagine if they had to sit and watch that video i bet they saw it I, it does say that they walked out when the video was oh, being good. shown. Because I wouldn't want I to see it. But I couldn't see my no. son knowing I couldn't help him. Incapacitated, dying. Right. And nothing there. I could do to help no. him. And, and nobody's no helping, helping him. him. Even, if he was, even if there was someone that did help him, but he still died. At least you could be like, okay, right. they, you're going to watch him lay there with no help. And the one kid who does try to help him, they fucking throw him against the wall and say, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was horrified by the story. I, I had not heard it. I know you had heard it. Yeah. I had never heard it. I was or if I did, it didn't really register with me. Horrified. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking mm-hmm. horrified. I don't get it. No. You know, the the story that, that Kim was telling us of the eating of other people's vomits and all this stupid shit. I don't understand how that shows loyalty. I don't understand how me eating your vomit, which is a bio-fucking hazard. Right. It, I don't it get doesn't. It. It's not. It's a, it's a humiliation. It's humi- It's That's all it is. It and is. then it's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. I was humiliated. So now I'm going to so humiliate, I'm gonna humiliate you. you. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be the kid in charge of what's going to happen for the hazing weeks. No. Because if something happens, if somebody dies, you're fucked. Yeah. And that's your whole life. Right. And so. you know what? Okay, nothing happened to these kids. Apparently. No. But... I don't know. Can you live with that for the rest of your life? Some you days I can have children. But Are you going to want somebody treating your kid like that? Could you just, could you live with that every no. day? I couldn't live no. with that every day. That's no. a, your life is but we're forever not, We're not those people either. No, that's We're true. not those people either. So I would educate your children about hazing hazing and fraternities. And many of you sent your kids off to college. Mm-hmm. So, um, talk to them. This yeah. is not, that's not okay. No. No reason to die for that. No. None. It's stupid. So mm-hmm. you can belong to this fucking filthy house right i wouldn't live in that house. maybe get a job because of it maybe and if you're girls and you go to frat parties don't drink the punch because you're going to end up on the facebook page being assaulted yeah there's weird shit in that punch stay away from the punch stay with your friends yes do not let their friends go up to a room with somebody don't let your stay together don't leave them there i don't know i mean i didn't investigate but i didn't see anything on sororities doing this i know they haze as well yeah i don't think i don't know if it's to the extent the boys are doing right um, it might be interesting to look into that, so I'm not going to say they don't. I just don't haven't. We it's, didn't. I always, didn't come across. Yeah, and it's always a frat. Yeah. It's always a frat. Yeah. So, um, yay! Welcome back to school. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we'll get some new equipment. We'll sound better the next time. Hopefully. Uh, be patient with us, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. 
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.